Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you 24-7, with supplies and solutions for every industry, and access to product specialists ready to help. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You're listening to the Bears Brothers podcast and postgame show, the place where Bears fans across the globe hang out online after every Bears game. Now get ready, because it's time to bear down. Welcome back to another episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. This is your host, Will DeWitt. I'm glad to be back with you today. I'm very excited as this is the first installment of our annual mini-series, Countdown to Camp, where week by week, we take an in-depth look at each position, getting you caught up and familiar with the Bears' current roster, and of course, ready for training camp, or as I like to call it, Bear Benet. And we're not going to only discuss every single player on the roster, but we're also going to make some predictions on who makes the team, as well as our expectations for each player and who we believe will become the starters in September. So to begin, today's episode is all about Chris Tabor's squad, the third phase, a.k.a. special teams. To assist me, I'm joined by both of my Bears brothers. I have Brandon Hazlett. I have Nicholas Moriano, both of which had pretty exciting weeks, I would say. Brandon, I'm going to start with you. You had more of an exciting weekend. How was the Indy 500, man? It was pretty cool. It was my first time I've ever gone. Uh, it was it was warm enough, definitely, to say the least. Uh, definitely thought I was going to bake with as many people as there are, but it really wasn't all that bad uh, once we got some cloud cover. So that was really cool. And, and Will Power had his card balanced like perfectly, and he was just able to walk away with it for, uh, I wouldn't say an exciting finish, but it was still pretty cool to go. Yeah, and no willpower. If I ever, I always said if I wanted to change my last name, it would be to Power. <laughs> it kind of goes with the Simpsons when he changed his name to Max Power, but I thought willpower is always a it's a phenomenal name. Oh, but yeah. uh, Nick, Nick, I want to go over to you. Uh, you just spent the entire week in Hawaii, so I want to say Aloha, and uh, just want to tell people about your time there, man. Yeah, so uh, first time being in Hawaii, went with the family, and it was a great experience. Was able to go snorkeling for the first time, climbed up a crater, um, and it's a six-hour. They're six hours behind, so it kind of took a little bit of time to adjust uh, to the time there. But just a very chill place, amazing beaches. You can stop almost anywhere and take a picture, and you can put it on the back of a postcard. So I have so many great pictures, um, posting them on various social media. But uh, yeah, great time. It was a Again, I would love to go back, but yeah, now I'm back and I didn't see any palm trees. I'm like, man, kind of want to go back though. But hey, Hawaii was a great vacation. I'm glad I went. That's not the only reason why you want to go back. You're really going to hold out? Oh, I mean, okay. So we in our Airbnb that we had, uh, and this is a consensus family thing. We need to go get a bidet. That thing changes everything. So for everyone who hasn't tried it, should definitely do it because uh it's definitely going to be a good investment for sure how did i know when we had our pre-draft show and you brought up the bidet that that wouldn't be the first and only time that that was going to be mentioned on our show but i'm glad that you enjoyed your toilet in hawaii if that makes any <laughs> sense but 
let's kind of get back down to business. All right. So today it's just going to be the three of us. But I just want to let our listeners know to expect plenty of new faces or if you're listening to the podcast, new voices throughout the entirety of Countdown to Camp, because I'm aiming to bring on, bring on our entire staff throughout it and with some potentially some special guests along the way. You never know. We'll see what happens. So before we get into our special teams discussion, I think it's worth sharing some top takeaways that have come out of this week's Bears OTAs. Nick, I know you were strongly suggesting this earlier this morning, so I want to go ahead and open up the floor to you to begin. Yeah, so I was uh, just caught up with all the interviews last night and again this morning. And um, just from Vic Fangio's press conference that he gave yesterday, um, when the reporters asked him about the outside linebackers, I thought just from hearing what Vic Fangio said and the words that he used, that he's not that confident with the group. Yes, he thinks that some guys can potentially, uh, and here's what he said, surface to be the two starters and backups. Um, when you hear that, it's just not the most reassuring thing, I would say. And how he uh, talked about Leonard Floyd, um, he said that when healthy's proficient enough, again, you hear that, it's not the most reassuring thing. You want to hear that, hey, Leonard Floyd's going to be able to, you know, wreak havoc off the edge. But again, Leonard Floyd hasn't been able to stay healthy. And Fangio also went on to say that these injuries have affected his development. So when it comes to that unit, there's not really much behind Leonard Floyd, Sam Macho. There's a bunch of young guys. Obviously, they got fits uh, in that sixth round. So, and Fangio. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Didn't even say anything about him yet. There wasn't enough to be said about him. He didn't want to give the reporters any, you know, false or fake answers. But yeah, that unit, it's going to be interesting how Fangio utilizes them. Obviously, likes to have the pass rush come from multiple different players and angles. But that's a unit that should definitely be worth watching throughout the season because there isn't a lot of playmakers. I know Vic Fangio wishes he had some more. Yeah, I mean, we're going to talk about this here in a few weeks when we talk about the linebackers in our countdown to camp series, no doubt about it. But yeah, like you mentioned, it's a little concerning. Um, nothing that we really didn't expect, really. We, you know, outside linebackers, it's been a need ever since last season ended. And we all agree or should be in agreement that they didn't really address it as much as we would like. But hey, hopefully uh, players develop. Things are okay. Injuries, of course. Uh, Aaron Lynch, we'll see what happens there as well. But we'll, we'll talk about that in a couple weeks. So I have a bullet list of things, just in case you missed it, type of deals. Uh, number one, if you're living under a rock, Allen Robinson, he's back in action. He's out there in the field, you know, a little bit. He's getting more involved. He's catching balls from Trubisky, of course, positive signs. And I saw, Nick, you retweeted an excellent piece from John Moon Mullen, someone who I, of course, look up to. And he talked about Kevin White looking as explosive as ever as he has in a Chicago Bear uniform. Another positive sign for Bears fans. Uh, then going back to Fangio, I like the praise he had uh, for Danny Trevathan. He cited the injuries that Trevathan's had uh, in the previous offseason, so it kind of hindered his development in, within his system. And now with him healthy, he's able to take some more steps forward than he has in the past. And on top of that, Roquan Smith, he's been, of course, sharing reps with the first-team defense. He starts to earn his way, according to Fangio, which that makes all the sense in the world. But the fact that it's still OTAs and he's already getting first-team looks, of course, should excite all Bears fans. And I saw Roy Robertson-Harris, at least according to Adam Johns, is working towards claiming that starting defensive end spot, which makes me wonder about John Bullard a little bit. 
And then for offense, uh, Nagy was telling Jordan Howard that he's the main guy. And then another thing I liked is that he's not afraid uh, to put Taylor Gabriel and Tariq Cohen on the field together a bunch this season. He says he doesn't care about the lack of size. All he cares about is playmaking ability. And, of course, both of those players possess all of that. And on top of this, I think all the praise from Trubisky, from all the players that step up, even the coaches, uh, just to be music to your ears. But, uh, B, I, I hit on a lot. Nick talked about the outside linebackers. Anything else that we didn't mention that you want to bring up? Uh, just kind of a thought that hit me when you were talking about how Nagy doesn't care about the size of Gabriel and Cohen on the field at the same time. I wonder uh, if John Fox would have had that same thought. I mean, I really don't care at this point, but just kind of like he didn't play Cohen, so why would he play both of them? I don't know. Exactly. He definitely wouldn't. No way. <laughs> no doubt about it. All right, so Nick, anything else you want to mention about OTAs? Any other takeaways uh, that maybe I didn't hit on or if you want to elaborate on anything further? One more thing with Vic Fangio, when it comes to these OTAs, he wants to treat them like they're actual practice without the pads. He said they're very important. They're um, obviously he said something about a couple of years ago now that, you know, there was once two a days, there was a long extended, there were six preseason games. These kind of things were happening, but now they've taken that away. And now you're only allowed, uh, you know, a limited amount of time to practice with these guys. So for his defensive guys speci uh, specifically, he really wants them to get uh, to treat this as if, as it was like in the season. So each rep is valuable and it should be, but Vic Fangio really plays into these OTAs as being very vital for these players to really adapt and develop and further improve in this defense scheme. And he says the continuity this year is a lot better than it was even a season ago when he had a lot of returning starters. So um, we should see that play dividends, you know, in the season with multiple guys coming back at the same positions. But yeah, these OTAs are very important to Vic Fangio. As they should. And that's the thing about Vic Fangio. He tells it how it is. He's not going to hold anything back. And whatever he's thinking, whatever's on his mind, however he genuinely feels, he's going to tell you. And that's why I like Vic Fangio a lot, especially in terms of press conferences. All right. So, guys, I'm glad that we we're able to at least catch you up on OTAs, at least what happened this week. Um, if you want to get more, just check out around the Bears, the Bears world, especially like the, the beat writers, Adam Johns, uh, Patrick Finley. Uh, even J.J. Stankovitz, we've had on a few weeks ago. He's been putting out some good stuff with his podcast as well. They're really doing a great job of co covering OTAs. Uh, we're not there, of course. We're just kind of giving you what we can hear from the players, from the coaches. But if you want more on OTAs, definitely check that out. But now let's get to what you're here for. And that's Countdown to Camp. And let's just go ahead and dive right in with the special teams preview. And I want to begin with the ever-important position of punter. There are currently two on the roster. Uh, let's kind of begin with the man who is entering his fourth year in the NFL and his fourth of the Bears, and that's Patrick Megapunt O'Donnell, who re-signed with the team in March, but only into a one-year, $1.5 million contract. Throughout O'Donnell's first two seasons, he averaged 44 yards per punt, and that number did jump to 47 last year. Additionally, his net of 39.7 last season was only 24th in the league. And that was a slight bump from his 38.4 net in 2016. Um, he was very active. The Bears punted the seventh most, time, seventh most times last season, a number of which, of course, I think everyone listening agrees that better, the Bears better not finish in top 10 of punts again uh, come 2018. Um, so despite whopping, uh, punting a whopping, I think, 87 times, only 15 of Patrick O'Donnell's punts were fair caught, which was tied for 23rd in the NFL. And when you look at the range there, fair catches, and you're looking at where he'd ranked, the guys around him were getting the same amount of fair catches, which, again, 15 is not a lot. They were averaging about 20 or more or less punts than him. So, of course, that hurts a bit. And I know some of this is on the punter. 
Some of this is going to be on the coverage unit. Uh, but now we have Chris Tabor in charge. Things are going to start to change schematically. So we have to take these numbers for what they are. But they are worth noting that O'Donnell was, uh, even though his average jumped up a little bit, uh, his net still is ranking pretty poor. And there's uh, the fair catch numbers weren't looking so hot either. So guys, I want to know your thoughts on O'Donnell. Anything that uh, stands out that he must improve on? And I know he has some competition this year. We're going to touch on that in a moment. Um, but he was only able to sign a one-year deal, so I believe the Bears are not only pushing for him to get better by signing him to a short-term deal and also bringing in competition, but they're also kind of saying, hey, we're not afraid to move on from you either. And Nick, I'm going to go to you first here. Yeah, so I mean, you said a lot of great things with statistics with Pat O'Donnell, and remember, guys, uh, back in, what was it, March, uh, the Bears were looking at Cincinnati partner Kevin Huber, so they were looking to possibly you know, move on from Pal down. Maybe that's why he only has this one-year deal with only 500000 guaranteed. And you mentioned it, that we do have another punter on, you know, the roster right now. But in terms of what maybe O'Donnell can improve on, obviously he's, he's a taller guy. When he gets contact with that leg or con- with his leg to the ball, he definitely can get a lot of hang time. And we don't know what statistics-wise, if it's more so on him, where guy's just not getting to, you know, the punt returner. But the Bears were second in the league with – um in terms of yards given up with um, with punting. So that needs to definitely improve moving forward. But I don't think the Bears are really, I would say, committed to O'Donnell right now. It's going to be this um, this competition between Ryan Winslow and then, you know, Pat O'Donnell right now. Yeah, exactly. It's definitely it's definitely an open competition. Tabor mentioned that as well. I was going to get on that in a minute. Uh, but first, I want to go over to Brandon. What are your thoughts on O'Donnell uh, overall? I feel like this is a conversation we have surrounding O'Donnell just about every year. You're right. I, I mean, especially after his performance last year, I didn't think it was all that bad. Uh, but I mean, they, like Nick said, they looked at, at Huber from Cincinnati, like looking to bring him in because they're not afraid to move away from Patrick Donald. But what I find surprising uh, is that he had 27 punts inside the 20, which ranks in the bottom half of the league, which for like 87 punts, like you said, I mean, I would expect that number to be a little higher. So I did some math. Uh, and I included touchbacks in these statistics. So he put 33 punts inside the 20, theoretically, because he had six touchbacks on top of 27 already inside the 20. Uh, I say theoretically because, I mean, it's not like he's punting him five yards into the end zone. I mean, they're probably bouncing on the three or the five, kind of rolling in. The the cover unit's not getting down there to get the ball down at the one or whatever. So that's why I included touchbacks in there. Uh, so theoretically, he puts 33 punts inside the 20. Only 38% of his punts are getting you know, inside the 20, 20 yard line in theory. And of the guys who had more punts than him, the six others, uh, the, the New York giants were the only team to have a lower percentage of punts inside the 20. When you include the touchbacks, <clears throat> they had 20 total inside of 20 for 29% of their kicks getting inside the 20. And now, like you alluded to earlier, there's a lot of other things that could play to that, uh, you know, cover teams, uh, punter itself, you know, things like things of that nature. It's not just all on O'Donnell, but I just think that's interesting that, you know, he had the seventh most punts and had a lower percentage of kicks inside the 20. Yeah, you know, I had that as well. You're a little bit more generous by counting those touchbacks. I had this number of only about 31% of those punts uh, going inside the 20. Uh, the year before, it was 35, so it was uh, 35%. So it was a stat that actually did take a dip in, uh, you know, last season, 2017. Um I honestly, I thought about this long and hard. I think it's really, that's going to be more attributed to the Bears offense last season, right? How many times did they start with the ball and go three and out? So you're punting deep in your own territory. It's going to be much more difficult to pin opponents deep. And I think that's why you see only 15 fair catches. They weren't really getting uh, 
really good field position, of course, and the Bears' offense weren't able to do much with the football last season. So, again, it's really hard when you're looking at this to kind of figure out what these stats mean. I just know when you're looking at them, they're not great. And we all know in terms of Donald, he's still a middle-of-the-road punter at best right now. So when I see when I hear all of that, um, it's just obviously you can improve, and I think that's why you have this competition to either you get a more improved O'Donnell through it. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Or you move on from them and you get a rookie who's still young who can perhaps better this unit as well. So we mentioned the coverage unit a couple times now, and I just want to state, of course, that under Tabor, that must improve. And I'm not going to really speculate, you know, who's going to be on the coverage unit because, I mean, at this point of the season, that's just too much hearsay. We don't even know who's going to be making the roster, especially in the special teams capacity uh, just yet. But last season, I want to mention that the Bears did give up the fifth most yards per punt return, averaging 10.4 yards returned against them per punt. So in camp, I think something I'm going to be paying attention to is watching the coverage unit for things like, you know, staying in their lanes, fulfilling assignments, shutting blocks, and making those open field tackler uh, tackles. Those are things I know they struggle with I mean, for years, that's why we part of the reason why we have the hashtag Bears special teams. I hope it takes on a new meaning soon, but all those things are on my radar. Nick, any final thoughts on O'Donnell before we move on to uh, Ryan Winslow? Not really on O'Donnell, just again on that that punt coverage unit. Um, they were one of 10 teams to give up a punt return. And obviously, you want to see that you want to see him out of that statistical category. But um, yeah, um, I, I guess we can go on, you know, the next punter possibly for Chicago, right? Yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Last year, we had two kickers, one punter, and this year we have two punters, one kicker. Last year, it was Connor Barth and Andy Phillips, and now, of course, things have kind of switched within one season. But moving on to the rookie punter out of Pitt, uh, we have Ryan Winslow. He averaged 42.1 yards per punt in his four years at Pittsburgh. And what I liked when you see his year-by-year uh, splits, he did improve his average each and every season. It went from 40.1 to 41.1 to 42.6. And then he took a decent jump his senior season to 44.5 yards per punt. And that 2017 average of that 44.5 yards per punt was good for 11th best in the entire nation in the NCAA. So real quick, guys, uh, do you think that, you know, I want to know your true opinion here. Do you think you're going to make this a real competition? And does Winslow actually have a legitimate shot here? Because I have a hard time trusting uh, punting battles in camp ever since uh, Adam Podlish versus uh what Tressway and then Tressway? I watched him out punt Podlish all camp long, all preseason long, and then we still cut him. I know that's a whole different regime, a whole different situation. But ever since, I always kind of take these, and I just don't know if I can trust it just yet. So, uh, Nick, I'm going to go right back to you first. Yeah, that's it's interesting to see how it all play out. But I think whichever punter in camp can consistently show that they can place the ball in you know these spots where it's hard for the return man to do anything or inside like the twenty, anything like that maybe there's a chance that Winslow can outbeat O'Donnell or vice versa, whichever one can be consistent enough in practice. And especially in Chicago, you got to be able to punt with the winds and everything like that. Take that into account. But like you said, you brought up a good point with there was a position battle last year. Still the one man, you know, still gets a job. So who, who who's to know if there's actually a competition battle Tabor said, you know, maybe there is, but we'll, we'll see what ends up happening there. 
Yeah. What about you, B? I think it's going to be a. Well, I don't want to say it's a real competition for number sixteen because Ryan Winslow wore sixteen as well at Pitt. Fun fact. So, uh, <laughs> winner gets number sixteen. Uh, but I don't think there's going to be much of a legit battle here. I hope they tell Patrick O'Donnell that hey, like your job's in jeopardy here uh, with this kid, so that way it'll kind of help him improve some. Uh, but I don't think there's going to be much of a competition. I think it's just Ryan Winslow coming in. They're going to take a look at him in case something goes wrong, and it's just going to be to take some some punts off of Donald's leg just to kind of keep him fresh. All right. Well, I think you guys kind of alluded to it, but I still want to break out the old crystal ball here. I want to know who actually ends up as the Bears punter come week one. You know, Chris Tabor did say yesterday that both guys are doing well and that we'll see who ends up winning when he mentioned that, quote unquote, your play is your resume. So, I mean, he made it seem open. Um, I feel like this Bears, you know, this new staff is a little bit more transparent. So, in some aspects, I think I'm going to trust that this is a competition. And somehow if O'Donnell struggles throughout, you know, uh, mini camp starting next week and then training camp preseason, and somehow you're looking at Winslow and he's looking pretty strong. I mean, maybe they take a move. And I mean, I know O'Donnell only making 1.5 million. Uh, it's not like the biggest cap hit, but if you can save some money and sign Winslow to even a you know, smaller contract that he's on right now, I mean, I mean, that's not a bad, uh, Bad idea as well. So let's go over to B first. Uh, who's going to be the punter come week one and why? Uh, week one is going to be Patrick O'Donnell. I think that there there is enough trust in there, uh, and I think that Chris Tabor sees some potential uh, in him. I think by the end of preseason, end of training camp, uh, that they're, they're, he's going to like him a little bit more than Ryan Winslow to the, to the point where he's going to be a starter week one. All right. What about you, Nick? I'll go with O'Donnell as well. He has the experience uh, being that four-year veteran. And, yeah, I mean, it's going to be tough, but, yeah, I'm going to go with O'Donnell. All right. You know, for me, I, I kind of want to say Winslow just to go against the grain here, but no, I don't see it. I see them going with a veteran, someone who's been around the league for a while, who can handle the pressure just a little bit. Uh, but one thing that Tabor did mention yesterday that I want to kind of bring up here is that he wants to, quote unquote, limit returners. And I already mentioned, Brandon, you mentioned as well, uh, he did, O'Donnell did not do a good job of that last year. Uh, that can be attributed to a number of things. So I think limiting returners, watching for that in training camp uh, for both of these partners, really, is going to be something to keep an eye on. And if he can do that, I think he'll keep his job. All right, guys. So enough of the punter talk. So we're going to take a whoa. quick timeout. Oh, go ahead. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Um, Whoa, whoa, whoa. It could come down to who's got the better arm, too, because O'Donnell did throw a touchdown last year. So. I, how did I know we weren't going to escape this conversation without you bringing that up again? I, think I, I had to. I'm sorry. It's okay. <laughs> yes, Mr. Perfect Passer rating O'Donnell. All right. So is that it about punters, guys? Can we move on? I think we're good with punters. I'm done. All right, cool. So before we talk about the kicker position and talk about uh, the new kicker, Cody Parkey, and our confidence level within him, uh, we need to take a quick time out now that Brandon has uh, allowed me to, and we need to tell you a little bit about our sponsor, SeatGeek. Buying tickets can be complicated and confusing, but there's a better way to buy with SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to get tickets to every type of live event. Whether you're searching for a last-minute deal, planning a night out with friends, or need to find the perfect gift, SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices, fully guaranteed. There's nothing quite like being there in person, and SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. As you know, all the Bears brothers had the SeatGeek apps on our phones and our devices, and it's by far the easiest way that we've been able to shop for tickets. We can be anywhere and just with a few taps, instantly find some seats. I was actually just looking at SeatGeek earlier today, looking at tickets for the Bears home opener against the Seahawks, and I found a large number of amazing deals for some excellent seats. So if you want to go on and cheer on our Bears and head coach Matt Nagy's debut at Soldier Field, I encourage you to go ahead and take a look at what's available. 
SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. SeatGeek saves you the time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. And the best part of all is that our listeners get $20 off that first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the SeatGeek app, enter the promo code BEARS today. That's B-E-A-R-S, BEARS, for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. All righty, well, I'm your host, Will DeWitt. You're listening to the Bears Brothers Podcast. I'm joined by both of my Bears brothers. I have Brandon Hazlett and Nicholas Moriano here with me. And we're moving on from punter over to kicker as we're going to be taking a look at Cody Parkey, who is now the sole man who is manning the kicking position for our Bears. Parkey, he is coming off his best season in the NFL, where he made 91% of his field goal attempts, which was eighth best in the league. And for his career, he has made 86.4% of his kicks and 96.4% of his extra points. Plus, a fun fact, he is 9 of 10 from 50-plus in his career. This is going to be Parkey's uh, fourth team in four years, or maybe third team in fourth years. I think he's with the Eagles twice, so I think it's third team in four years. But all signs are pointing toward him becoming the answer at the position and probably the best kicker we've had ever since Robbie Gold uh, was, well, unfortunately let go. I'm going to mention that again. I still wish he was here, but hey, I can't go and pass and change things. So, guys, Parkey, he's reuniting with Chris Tabor. The two did work together in Cleveland. Now, obviously, Tabor wanted him back, and Parkey wanted to work with Tabor again. So I think those are two great signs. But I want to know, personally, what's your confidence level with kicker? It's been a position that, it's a position that has uh, burned us a ton ever since we did let Robbie go. And B, I want to go to you first. Um, Kicker's been a rotating position, to say the least, since Robbie Gold left. <laughs> Five kickers, including Robbie and Cody Parkey. So, I mean, it, it's moderately confident. Uh, and I guess if I have to stutter like that to get the, those words out, I'm not sure that I'm 100% confident in that answer and what the kicker position is. Uh, so, I mean, I like Cody Parkey. listed off the statistics. He's he's really good. I mean, 86%. Uh, and he improved, from, he improved in 2017 from 2016 when he was in Cleveland with Chris Tabor. Uh, but what concerns me is that Park, he was only able to hit 80% of his field goals that year. I mean, is he just not a cold-weather kicker? Because, I mean, in Chicago, I mean, you kind of got to deal with that in the wind and, you know, warmer weather. The ball's not going to be as hard when you're kicking in the snow or whatever. You know, he had 91% of his uh, field goals made in Miami. So, like I said, I, I guess moderately confident, but, I mean, I got to kind of see it first. I mean, that's fair, right? You know, see it before you believe it. That all makes sense. I'm glad you brought up the 2016 numbers because I have them here in my notes because I figured Bears fans would be checking to his stats, listening, and seeing that 2016 and being like, you know, hold the phone here, guys. Only making 80% of those kicks. What's going on there? And I'm going to encourage you, Brandon, and the listeners who are checking that out to maybe just relax a little bit. Don't freak out so much because uh, those numbers uh, – aren't really, I won't say valid, um, but they were definitely kind of skewed because the season prior is when he tore all three of his groin muscles and he was still kind of like working back from injury and he really didn't get into a groove until, well, you know, last season. So then he made 91.3% of his kicks. So a year better. I mean, we all know how injuries take time. I had to trust that leg again. I mean, tearing all three of your groin muscles, I don't even want to fathom, well, what that, you know, what that feels like, how it's even, uh, how would even be recovering for something like that. So for him to have, you know, an off year in 2016 as he's still kind of working his way back from injury. And then after he's like two years removed from it, able to put up over 90% of his kicks. I think that's really good sign for things to come. I think that's why Ryan Pace, the Bears, Chris Tabor were confident enough to give him such a, you know, a large contract for a kicker, especially a new one coming into a new city. But Nick, over to you. What's your confidence level in Parkey? You know, it's better than it was when obviously Barth and all the other kickers that came in, uh, <laughs> For Chicago, it is a little better, but 
He he is on his fourth team in five years, two with Philadelphia, Cleveland, Miami, and now with Chicago. Um, so you wonder as to why he just couldn't stick to one one place, and Miami being you know specifically Miami. But um, it is better than it once was, and we'll see how he does now in Chicago, where you need to have be pre- precise in where you're kicking the ball because the wind does play a factor. I mean, it, it really does, and that's why Robbie Gold's able to make such a long, sustained career in Chicago because he just knew how to play the wind. Um, so. That's going to be interesting to see how Parky does with that, but they did give him a good amount of money. Um, and my confidence level with the position is better than it once was. And there were a bunch of games. And I think of that Detroit game, I think I was on a flight from Minnesota and I was about to fly up. And then I didn't get to see what happened with the kick. As soon as I land, I see what that kick looked like. And I just <laughs> immediately threw my phone on the ground. Are you kidding me? We get in position and that's what ends up happening. So you don't want to go through those um circumstances again where the kick is just way left way right whatever it is hopefully parky's a guy that kind of ends that drought and you know just just the drought of kickers coming in to replace robbie gold i just want consistency you you forgot about something what was that i said just when you think you forgot about something you had to bring up that kick i know i'm sorry yeah because (laughs) I, i remember just not knowing the results of it and then having it was only an hour plane ride, hour thirty minutes from Minnesota to Chicago. So I wanted to know what happened. As soon as I refresh the Twitter feed, I see the kick. I'm like, you have to be kidding me! That wasn't even <laughs> close. The upright is, you know, what fifteen yards to the left or whatever it was. So it was just awful. Well, I think those days are behind us. Hopefully, knock on wood. If you have some uh, around you, definitely knock on it for me. Thank you. I just, that didn't sound like wood, but that's okay. It, it, it's a table. It's a TV tray, so why would? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it works. All right, so for me personally, guys, I think I'm fairly confident. I'm gonna, you know, everything I've seen from Parky, his work ethic, um, him able to come back from an injury quite well. And I just want to mention too another fun stat. Actually, a couple. Uh, since his rookie season, he has clutched from less than forty. He's a perfect fifteen of fifteen. Um, and speaking of clutch, he was clutch last season. Uh, I mentioned this in the free agency episode, but I'm just gonna kind of copy and paste my notes, mention it again. Um, after he was cut by the Browns and he signed with the Dolphins, the very first game, he drilled that game winner. And then within the first six weeks in Miami, he had three game winners. So he's someone who I think has ice in his veins, can go out there and make those clutch kicks, uh, won't kind of go as wide right or left as uh, we saw from you know Barth, but that's okay. And something else I want to mention too that uh, Chris Tabor uh, talked about yesterday with the media is that Cody's Parkey's success is hand in hand with, of course, the long snapper, but also the, the holder. And when they're talking about the punters, he mentioned that as a skill as well that they're looking into, like who's going to be the best, you know, holder for the place kicker, because that's such a pivotal aspect of kicking field goals, extra points. So I think of course, going back to O'Donnell, going back to Winslow, just another small thing to maybe pay attention to in camp, but guys uh, getting back to Parkey, one more question for you guys. What does he need to do to have a quote-unquote successful season in your mind? B, I'm going to go to you first. Uh, he needs to hit field goals consistently from 40 to 49 yards. Uh, like 72%, I think, is about going to be an acceptable level because, I mean, for reference, Robbie Gold was, for his career, is 76% from 40 to 49 yards. Uh, and last year, that's where most of the Bears had, you know, most of their field goal attempts was from 40 to 49 yards. They had 10 uh, they hit six of so 60% between the three kickers. There wasn't one that could consistently hit from there, apparently. Uh, so if he can show that he can hit from there on a very consistent basis, I mean, I'm not worried about anything shorter. I mean, I would think he's going to be solid from there if he's hitting from 40 to 49. You brought up that he's like 
almost outstanding from 50 plus. So, I mean, I look at that as a bonus. So if he can hit from 40 to 49 consistently, I think we've got a really good kicker on our hands. Yeah. 90% in his career from 50 plus. Perfect. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. There we go. Yeah, I, I agree. I think, of course, in that range that you're talking about where the Bears had the majority of their field goals last year, I think everyone listening, I think all three of us can agree that we hope the Bears, uh, remember last season, every time we would cross the 50, the, we just hit like a brick wall and the offense would just kind of implode. I think with the new system, the new offense, the new players, I think we can all agree that we hope the Bears can drive it a little deeper into you know enemy territory this year to make those, you know, Field goals, just a little bit easier. But, Nick, over to you. Parky, successful season. How does he do it? Uh, how does he do it? Well, I think he just needs to be dependable. Whenever the Bears, you know, they're, they're going to have a new offense. They're going to be a lot better, be able to hopefully move the ball into enemy territory, like you were saying, Will. But when they can't get into the end zone, that I want the Bears to be confident in Parky that he's going to nail this field goal, that there's just not like, all right, let's see what's going to happen here. Are we going to actually get points here? Or are we just going to switch field position and have the opponent start from where the Bears just missed? So I want Parky to just be dependable whenever the Bears don't get into the end zone, which hopefully isn't, you know, as obviously was, wasn't once, was it? was what it was. Oh my God. I can't speak right now in 2017. We don't want that again. Let me just say that. Yeah, seriously. It wasn't, we don't (laughs) want that in 2017. I just think about it and it has me, uh, my tongue tied, but the offense will be better, but Parky needs to be able to just kick the field goal, field goals consistently and just be dependable when he's asked to, you know, go out there and do his job. I agree. I think if he does anything like he did last year, making 90% of his kicks, I think we're in great shape. I don't think anyone would complain. I think Connor Barr's best season. I don't have the numbers in front of me. I didn't even want to look at reference in preparing <laughs> this episode, but I think it was like low 80s. Maybe, yeah, I think like 82 maybe was his best season here. Uh, but even then, I mean, anything 90 plus, I think we're in great shape and nothing to worry about. All right, so up next, we're going to transition and talk about the Bears returners. Chris Table, Tabor mentioned yesterday in his press conference that he, quote, wants a bunch of horses in the stable. But before we do, I want to encourage you to subscribe to our YouTube channel if you haven't yet, as it's the best way to keep up with the show and, of course, a way to watch our live postgame show come the season. I bumped up our goal to 3,500 subscribers by September. I think that's super obtainable. I think we're currently sitting at around 2,800, so definitely help us out if you can. But, guys, let's move forward and discuss some options in the return game. And like I mentioned before, uh, special teams coordinator Chris Tabor, he wants to have decisions to make when it comes to returners. He doesn't want a clear-cut guy, and he sees a number of players who have the ability to return both kicks and punts. And I think there are three prime candidates for this that are going to be in the most contention uh, to go ahead and take returns this season. And I'm fairly confident that they've uh, been splitting reps during OTAs. I, I heard the press conference correct yesterday, the questions. You can't really hear the reporter sometimes, but you try to turn it up and try to get exactly what that question was. But I'm pretty sure Tariq Cohen, Taylor Gabriel, and rookie Anthony Miller are all taking turns uh, returning uh, throughout OTAs. So those are my three, what I'm calling prime candidates. And then I have two, what I'm calling dark horse options, that being Eddie Jackson and Benny Cunningham. I really doubt that either are going to get the nod over that first trio. 
Um, despite Bolting having uh, return success in their past, uh, Cunningham as a Ram uh, did really well. I think we talked about it this time last year. He was like in the top 10 in NFL history and kick return average last year he did average 21 yards per kickoff return he only has seven returns though and jackson uh, i talked about too he was a pretty decent punt returner at alabama but he only had two punt returns last year and i just don't see the bears wanting to put their starting safety out there returning punts after he's been on the field for an extended period of time on defense but guys i'm going to hand this over to you we'll start with kick returner who do you see making or taking the majority of the returns and why nick you're up I'm going to go with Tariq Cohen. He had a lot of experience last year, the most uh, among all the returns for the Bears with 26 uh, attempts there. Um, so he's a leading candidate for me with uh, being that kick returner. And he did some good things uh, with that unit. And obviously he's going to change with Tabor now being the coordinator there. So I'm going to give it to him right now. But again, you want to have uh, multiple guys just kind of circulating through there to see which guy you know finds that hole the fastest, is able to read the, the coverage unit, Again, adapt to these new rules that are Im- implemented now. But I'm going to go with Tariq Cohen as that kick returner for now. All right. Tariq Cohen is Nick's nod for a kick returner as of right now. And let's go over to Brandon. What about you? Uh, I'm taking Cre- Tariq Cohen as well. Stumbling over my words as well there, apparently. Yeah. Uh, but, I mean, in the introductory press conference that Chris Tabor had uh, when he was introduced as the Bears special teams coordinator, he said, you know, before that uh, Christmas Eve game, uh, Tariq Cohen kept me up at night. Uh, so that kind of tells me that kind of almost like hands down, uh, this is going to be one of the guys, one of the, like his main guy, because if he's going to keep him up at night, I imagine he'd want to flip that card on someone else, uh, have that playmaker back there as much as he'll be playing on offense. I imagine he's probably going to get a fairly good amount of reps on special teams. That's a really great point. I forgot that Tabor mentioned that when he first came back to Chicago. So to bring that up, I mean, that's very, that's very keen observation to bring that back because it makes all the sense in the world. I too have Cohen. Uh, I don't think that, that was a big surprise for anybody. I mean, Taylor Gabriel, he does have four kick returns in his NFL career, and that's all the way back in 2014. Uh, He did average 24 yards per kick return, but again, such a small sample size, only four. Anthony Miller, he had six kick returns in his time in Memphis, only 22.7 yards per kickoff return. But Tariq Cohen, like you said, Nick, he has the most sample size from the Bears. He has the most experience uh, on this team right now. Besides Benny Cunningham, I'm sure has more. It's just in Chicago, Cohen has more. Um, But he averaged, Cohen did 22.4 yards per return last season. That was good for 10th in the NFL. So I think just with another year to adjust to NFL speed, um, assuming an improved coverage unit in front of him, I expect Cohen to take the bulk of the returns. Um, he did mention about the new return rules, which we're going to hit on in a minute, um, that it makes kickoffs more now a quote-unquote punt return vibe due to more one-on-one blocks, and the new rules kind of set up for that. You know, Cohen, he's so quick. He makes those decisive cuts. Um, I expect him to kind of bust a few long ones. Like uh, he had an 89-yarder against the Lions. I don't know if you guys remember it because you're not going to find it in the stat sheet because it was called back because uh, Brandon's favorite player, DeAndre Houston Carson, had a hold in that play. So that one doesn't count. <laughs> it never would have been looking a little nicer too if that one would have. But yeah, he had an 89-yarder. Uh, that was one of my favorite returns uh, from him last season besides the punt one that I'm going to talk about in a bit. Um, but no, there's this a few times last year, I think, too, though, that's something he needs to improve on that I'm going to watch for at camp maybe. Um, is when or when not to take the ball out of the end zone. There are a few times when you would take it out, and I'm finding myself like scratching my head, like, why are you doing that? They're like within eight yards from you. You're going to get tackled before you reach the 25. I think he's going to make some wiser decisions this year. But again, we'll see. We'll see exactly how it all pans out. But for me, as a consensus, actually, Tariq Cohen should be able to take the bulk of the returns uh, for kickoffs. 
So before we move on to punt returner, I want to kind of hit on those new kickoff rules. So to recap, just in case you're unaware, uh, kickoff teams, no more running starts. Uh, players must be within one yard of the 35. So the farthest they can be back is the 34. Now you must have five players on each side of the kicker. I think it used to be at least four. Um, at least two players must be uh, lined up inside, and then two players must be outside of the numbers. So they're kind of spreading more people out. And at least eight players uh, for the kick return team must be in this 15-yard setup zone. Uh, Nick, what are the yards for that again? So from the opponent 45 to the team's own 40. Yes, and they're only allowed to have three players outside of it. No more wedge blocks, number one. Well, that's like number four now. I guess I should uh, kind of go with my numbered order. Uh, and no more initiating a block or crossing the restraining line prior to the ball being touched or hitting the ground. So, like, you can't even initiate blocks now until the returner actually has the ball in his hands, which I think that's going to be weird to watch. And if the ball touches the ground in the end zone, unless the receiving team touched it first, that ball is officially dead. It's officially a touchback, so they can't you know, scoop it up and then take the ball out of the end zone. So a lot of changes to kickoff. I know a lot of people are strongly in disagreement of the new rules, but uh, you know, at least what you're hearing from Chris Tabor, Tariq Cohen, they're not all too uh, upset about it. You know, Chris Tabor thought it was good what the league did, citing uh, limiting injuries. He said that the science is uh, you know, pretty strong where all these injuries and kickoffs are happening, and they're just trying to find a way to eliminate it. And then he also did mention that he doesn't really expect much to change with the overall outcome of kickoff. So guys, I just want to know real quick your thoughts on these new kickoff rules and if you see any potential uh, issues with it or if you see any impact of it. Nick, I want to go to you first. You know, I, I want to hit on what Tabor was saying. Like it's all for, you know, the player's health. And that's obviously what they're making these rules for to just keep players uh, safe. But honestly, right now, even though obviously it hasn't been implemented yet or it's not, we haven't seen it in action, I should say, I think that it's going to benefit the kick return team. Not having that head start right from the very beginning is going to allow these blockers to get set up. They can't have the wedge block, but it's just going to have give them more time to you know set up whatever return they have. And I think with kick returns, maybe we'll start seeing some more actual touchdowns because I think the most that a team had was one last season. So it's not like uh, this is really, I guess, you know, teams are not really scoring off of this one actual play field position, obviously, but I'm hoping that maybe this results in maybe more teams being able to get into the end zone from this play, but we'll see what ends up happening with all the touchbacks and stuff. But yeah, I think kick return will benefit from it. Yeah. Well, again, it's really hard to tell or kind of predict what's going to happen. I don't even think the NFL knows what's going to happen with these rules just yet. So it's kind of a wait and see type of deal here, but uh, B real quick, what are your thoughts on it? I see. I kind of have some opposite thoughts on Nick. I think it's going to benefit the kicking team because if you can't block until the returner has the ball, how is the, how are the guys blocking not going to know that he has the ball until they, they see it happen and then turn around to block somebody. I think we're going to get a lot more blocks in the backs block in the back and those touchdowns that could potentially happen. I think there could potentially be more of them uh, guys not staying in their lanes because they know they can't really be touched till he has the ball or whatever. Then guys got to turn around and find him. I think we're going to have guys outside their lane. So it could benefit them, but I also see a lot more uh, blocking in the back as a result, just because you got to be able to know when he's going to have the ball to block. We'll find out, guys. Yeah, the Hall of Fame game is when we'll be able to first see it. So that's yep. going to be interesting how the Bears adapt, the Ravens adapt to this new kickoff. That's true. Oh, interesting. Didn't even think about that. Neat. And we'll be there in person. So we get to watch it firsthand how this new role is changing things. Cool. All right, guys, let's switch over to punt returner. And do you guys have anything different than we had for kickoff return? Because for me, I'm not going to lie. I have Street Cohen as well. But Nick, what about you? 
I want to see Eddie Jackson more out there. But the only thing <laughs> is, if he gets injured, who do you have coming? You don't want Deion Bush or DeAndre Houston or any of these guys coming in. But he he did have some success in Alabama doing it. He uh, is a playmaker with the ball in his hands, and we saw that. We saw that firsthand in that Carolina game when he got it. He knew where to go with that ball, um, regardless of his interception or fumble. But yes, I would like to see A. Jackson, but will it happen? Probably not. You want to keep your you know starting safety healthy, but you want to give Tariq Cohen the ball as many times as possible. He's just a playmaker as well. So yeah, Tariq Cohen's. I think the guy will end up you know taking that position. Yeah, Tariq Cohen. I think the Bears are going to find ways to get the ball in his hands more and more, but especially uh, keeping him as a primary guy. I know Tabor says he wants to have a revolving door. Maybe not a revolving door, but he wants to have plenty of horses in the stable to kind of deploy. But I think, like you mentioned, Brandon, Tariq Cohen gives you nightmares the night before. How are you going to defend him in a return game? That's why I have him for punt returns as well. And fun fact, he did finish ninth in the NFL last year, averaging 9.4 yards uh, per punt return on average. So, again, another top 10 guy. Oh, oh, top 10 in both kickoff and punt return. I don't know why you would kind of shy away from that what whatsoever, especially if you have confidence that you can improve the special teams coverage units compared to what we had last year under Jeff Rogers. But, B, I'm taking your spotlight. What's up? Uh, get your brooms out because I have three cones part turn <laughs> as well. But I just also want to say that I'm highly offended that Nick doesn't want DHC on the field. What the heck? Um, <laughs> well, he hasn't been able to get out of the field, so there's probably a reason why I don't want him on there. Well, why you have the broom out, B? You can just sweep him out of the roster because uh, he he's going to have a tough task making it this year. We'll see. We'll see. We'll get yeah. to that next week. But um, yeah, no, three Cohen again. He's just. Uh, he just has the speed, the vision, who can change field position, especially on those punts. Uh, but on top of that, he's someone who can take a few to the house, right? Like he did against the 49ers, that no, 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 yes, yes, yes play when he's like going all the way back and you're like, oh, gosh, don't do it. And like, oh, thank you for doing that because it worked. But uh, something else I want to mention with Cohen, uh, just like kickoffs, he needs to work on his decision making, uh, needs to improve when to and when not to a call for the fair catch. You know, there's a few times where he was fair catching the ball like at the five or even closer and you're like, what are you doing, Tariq? That's that's not what we do here. You want the ball to hit the end zone. You want it to roll in there. So, uh, and sometimes you would take it, and there's no one around them. So there's, I think, of course, making better decisions on when to field the ball, when to take that return, and not to. It's gonna be something I'm gonna be watching throughout camp, throughout preseason, and we'll see what he can do. Um, you mentioned Eddie Jackson. I agree. It'd be kind of neat, but the injury thing is a little concerning. You want you don't want him uh, receiving hits. You want Eddie Jackson, you know, laying out the hits. You want him being the punisher, not the punishee. Uh, and then I, I want to mention say, though, uh, for your dark horse pick for kick returns, and he could also probably do punt returns. When I was on the Rams podcast, uh, follow him on Twitter at Talk Rams, a uh, <laughs> bunch of good guys. Uh, but they they were really really high on Benny Cunningham as far as special teams go. They said he's very underrated as far as when he's looked around the league as far as what he could do. Uh, so I think that he could potentially be in the running for punt return as well. If uh, since I we both I think I'll throw in my opinion here, Eddie Jackson's probably not going to get his chance as much as I'd like to see it as well. But I would consider Benny Cunningham a strong second for punt return. There you go. Don't forget Anthony Miller here, too, because he didn't have a lot of kick returns at Memphis, but he did have 20 punt returns over his career there. He did average only 6.8 yards per return. Again, I know this is a small sample size, but the Bears can definitely look into this a little bit more because with how crowded the Bears are a wide receiver, I know they were going to want to put Miller on the field a decent amount, but if they believe in his playmaking ability, Maybe throwing him for a punt return from time to time to get him some extra touches uh, might not be a terrible idea. And honestly, you know, maybe the same goes with Gabriel because they have the speed, they have the vision. Does a robot know you like a neighbor? 
Insurance Corporation will fulfill request to cover anyone, anything, anytime, anywhere, with most standard algorithm, in the order it was received. Please hold. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting the insurance coverage you need always starts with a conversation. Find a Farm Bureau agent at fbfs.com slash protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. They have the breakaway speed. They have the, they have the quickness as well. Um, so you never know. Maybe they will have a full stable. Maybe they'll deploy them at different times. We'll see what happens. Chris Tabor might have a few tricks up his sleeve. Nick, you have another point? Yeah, maybe they implement both the two guys. Remember that Bryce Callahan had yep. that punt return. He was just hiding, kind of sitting down the, the sideline there against the Vikings. But you put two guys out there, well, who are they going to punt it to? You can fake one guy out. there. Hopefully there's these creative kind of schemes put in there because – Again, that just makes teams think a little bit more than they have to. And when you have that going, you're not really playing at full speed. Who knows what ends up happening, but that could also be a possibility. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, guys, any final thoughts on returners? I think we're all in consensus with Tree Cohen being the guy. Yeah. All right. I, I think so as well. All right. So, guys, next up, let's go ahead and highlight maybe a few players who we believe are going to be what I'm calling core special teamers. That being guys, you know, despite the specialists, besides the kickers, the punters, the returners, who provide the most value on special teams this season. Maybe guys who even will only make this roster due to their special teams, you know, presence uh, for say. So, Nick, I'm going to let you begin because I didn't really tell you to prepare for this. No, you didn't, but I have a guy in mind. I'm going with Joel E. A. Bunye. Bunye? I don't know. Iggy. 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 We're going with Iggy. And Chris Tabor had some, uh, you know, good good thoughts about him. And he was saying that Iggy's doing well. He's on track for training camp. But that's where he's going to make most of his, um, you know, game time, really. He's going to be on special teams. Uh, he said he has a good skill set, moves well, changes directions good, lots of intangibles. So this is a guy who's going to make his money right now. Uh, you know, on special teams, getting down and maybe tackling that punt return or kick return, whatever it may be, blocking. Who knows? But Joel Iggy is going to be the guy that I think is going to be on special teams a lot and it's going to be out there on Sundays doing that. Yeah, I, I see him playing like that Christian Jones role where you're out there for punts, you're out there for, you know, for kickoff coverage. Uh, Christian Jones, just a note, he did play about 50% of the Bears special team snaps a year ago. Obviously, they need to find someone to replace him. Now that he's in Detroit, so I think maybe Iggy would be the guy to do that in that regard. Uh, what about you, B? Do you have a guy in mind? Um, I have Sam Ochino on this list. Uh, I didn't quite pay attention to how many snaps he had, but I remember him seeing on special teams. I think he's going to be a contributor. He's a, a vocal guy on defense. Not, you know, he's not a leader, but he's a guy who does all the right things, does everything the way it's supposed to be done, follows the rules. I have him on there. And I also have Ben Braunacker as my dark horse pick uh, to make the team via special teams. He's a thicker, tougher, and smarter guy. I mean, he went to Harvard. He's from Indiana. I mean, he's he's a tough dude. So I, I really think that uh, he's going to make it uh, due to special teams. All right. I got three more for you guys. The first one I'm going to say, it, and you're going to make, oh, yeah, duh. Sherrick McManus, maybe? Yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. There. Team captain, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, special teams captain, maybe. I mean, he only accounted for like 65% of the Bears special team snaps next year. No big deal. Um, so we mentioned Iggy already. Someone else, I think John Timu is going to make this team just due to his special teams. He's been on it a bunch, very experienced there. He kind of understands his roles. Um, I think he was brought back for a reason. He attributed about 46% of the Bears special team snaps last season. So I see him, of course, kind of sticking with that role, being that depth piece, an inside linebacker, and, of course, doing what he has to do in special teams. And the third one I'm putting in here because he is a specialist, 
but I, we didn't mention him. And countdown to camp, we have to talk about each and every player on this roster. That's Patrick Scales, the long snapper. You know, I want to give him like a kudos because he's coming off that torn ACL that he had last preseason, and he's still holding down that job right now. There's only one long snapper on this roster, and it's Patrick Scales. For, so him to do that uh, off an ACL injury through a coaching change, I mean, that, kudos for him to coming into camp right now as the clear-cut long snapper because, I mean, he did good the season prior, but for him to go through all that change, go through the injury, I just want to kind of give him a shout-out for that. I really think the rest, guys, we're going to have to wait and see unless you have another player in mind. Daniel Brown's a guy who there's so many tight ends now at, on this team, and he played 42.72% of the special team snaps. So that's a guy probably won't get a lot of playing time on offense, has to make up for it on special teams. That's why I said Ben Bronacher he's a tight end as well. Yeah, so, I mean, these tight ends are going to be – the backup tight ends are now going to be, you know, producing on special teams. Can DM Sims just – Take that role. That's a lot of money. <laughs> Special teams uh, making what I think it's eight million guaranteed this season. So Jeez. I doubt it. No, you're right. All right, guys. So like last year, I want to end our countdown to camp episodes with a couple of big question, big picture questions to kind of close out the show. So my first one for you guys is what's your overall confidence level in hashtag bear special teams compared to years prior? Again, I really hope that hashtag can take on a new meaning and kind of get reminiscent to like those Dave's Hove days because the last, you know, four or five, it's just been atrocious bear special teams. I'm hoping that's now behind us. We've turned the page and it's going to be taking on a more positive meaning. Personally, if I had to put my confidence level on a scale to like one to 10, I'm going to put it at like a seven, maybe a 7.5 with more room to grow as we get through. I think punter is my biggest question mark. Uh, finding out how these new return rules are going to affect uh, Tariq Cohen as kick returner. Um, but I just like the direction that, I mean, the whole team's going, but special teams feels like it's having a better vibe to it compared to years past. What about you guys? Let's go be first. Uh, I've, I've got my confidence level in eight. Uh, Chris Tabor has shown in the past with Cleveland uh, that he can rank statistically in the top 10 in a lot of important special teams categories. And this is a group that really, really needs to improve. It's not a phase that you really think about uh, as much as being important. But like you said, going back to the Dave Tobe days, you know, I was going to ask you what kind of time frame we're looking at as far as days past, because if I'm looking at it compared to Dave Tobe to Jeff Rogers, I'm kind of hoping we're more towards the Dave Tobe era than uh, Jeff Rogers. So I, I, and I think Chris Tabor is going to lead them back to that way. I agree. And you had to up me with the eight. It's okay. I like it. I like the confidence over to you, Nick. Yeah, I really like Chris Tabor and that's why I am confident in this group and he's going to be able to put guys in the right positions um, and, you know, hopefully find whatever return is going to be committed at both punt returner and kick returner. But I'll give it a date as well. So this is obviously a phase of the game. Hasn't been really much of a factor for the Bears in recent years. And hopefully, yeah, negative factor when you, yeah, a good point. So hopefully turns that into a positive. So I'll give it an eight as well. All right. And the last question for you both. When you're looking at the special teams as a whole, uh, one or two things that you're going to be paying attention to at camp above the rest. Nick, right back to you. So I guess, I mean, Obviously, who's going to end up being the returns is going to be one that's going to have a lot of maybe people attention. But another one is that punting battle. If, if it is, in fact, a battle, it's going to be Pat O'Donnell. Uh, you know, I'm actually blanking on the name of our rookie guy. But Winslow. Don't Winslow. Sorry. Maybe he, if he wins a job, obviously, I'll know, know his name, um, you know, going forward. But that's also something that will be keep my eye on. And maybe when we're at camp, I'll actually be watching punters, which would be. You know, not the most exciting thing, but something that, you know, could be worth watching. What about you, B? Anything else? Uh, looking at the returners, looking to see who could potentially be the backup role. Because, uh, I mean, you brought up Taylor Gabriel, who 
when I looked it up, I mean, you said he's only had what four kick returns in his career. Mm-hmm. I mean, when I was looking the last couple of years, it's been the Eric Weems show out there in uh, in Atlanta doing kickoffs, which is kind of interesting. I don't know. Um, <laughs> he used to be in Chicago. That's why I find it interesting. Uh, so I'll be looking to see who the backups are, who could, who's potentially going to fill in for Tariq Cohen. Hopefully nothing happens there and it's Tariq Cohen all the way. But the other one's going to be who makes the, the team do two special teams because I, I think that'd make for an interesting storyline as uh, Trey Burton did that, as he mentioned when he was introduced here in Chicago, that he got his career started by playing only special teams and he was really dedicated to it, worked really hard at it and worked his way up to where he's at now, which is really cool. So I'm going to kind of be paying attention who makes a team just two special teams and see where their career kind of goes from here in a very big picture scale thing. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. I think for me, uh, of course, I'm going to be there the first weekend. I'm hoping to get there, I mean, maybe the first, the second weekend, and then at the tail end of camp. Too. Only 11 practices, by the way, which is a little bit less, but, I mean, I can't I can't change oh, it, so I have to accept it. For what it's worth, I'm interested uh, to go to the night one. Nice. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that'd be fun too. Um, I, I know in the past, Levy Smith did a couple of uh, night practices. I mean, those were always a ton of fun. But I think what I'm going to be watching for at camp with special teams, I mean, the punter battle, that's an obvious. Uh, Cody Parkey, his accuracy, his consistency, that's another obvious one. Returner, I mean, you guys both mentioned it. That's a given. I think the number one thing I'll be watching is who begins on the coverage units and, you know, like the punt return, the kick return, and of course, kickoff and punt units. I want to know who's on those units to begin. I'm going to mark all those down. Then you got to watch it change because they're going to be trying some different guys. But then as you go from preseason game to preseason game, that's something to watch as well because they're trying to fine tune their roster, trying to find their best guys. And towards the, you know, the third preseason game, when you see who's out there in those coverage units on special teams, you kind of have a strong feeling of who's going to make this roster and who's not. And I think that's why when you watch special teams, it's a good way to kind of find out how the bottom end of this Bears roster is going to kind of uh, shape itself throughout preseason, throughout training camp. So for me, that'll probably be my number one thing I'll be watching for special teams. All right, guys. That was Countdown to Camp 2018 Part 1. We have a plenty of positions to go. Admittedly, I'm going to say special teams is – one of the more difficult ones to project talk about because they're not in the field a lot. Uh, these guys have very precise jobs, so there's not a ton to talk about, but we found a way to do it. We've been on here for almost an hour. Any final thoughts about the Bears special teams before we head off? Nick B? It's going to be improved. I, I think it's going to be improved. And again, something that I didn't mention, but we've talked about, uh, how do these uh, teams adapt to these kickoff rules? So that'll be something to also watch in, uh, when we go to Bourbon A's, but we'll see what ends up happening. But it's definitely, I think, it's going to be improved from the season past. Yeah, I want to echo the rule change as well. I think it'll be really interesting to see how it all plays out uh, and see what adjustments they make then for the 2019 season. Uh, but I don't know necessarily if the special teams unit is going to be top 10, uh, but they'll definitely be middle of the pack compared to 23rd or mid-20s, wherever they were ranked last year. So th- they'll improve. Improvement's all we need right now, especially in the yes. third phase. All right, so that's going to do it for this episode of the Bears Brothers Podcast. And our first Countdown to Camp episode of 2018 is now officially in the books. Up next, we're going to double dip and take a look at two positions as we're going to preview the entire secondary. Make sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Facebook if you like the show. We're going to talk to you next week with that secondary preview. But until then, bear down, Chicago. Finally. 
a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com.